Luke chapter number one, and we'll begin our reading at verse number 26 again. Luke one, verse number 26. Now, guys, I need you to pay attention today. I'm going to walk us through a lot of scripture. I know that sometimes we've been in churches where scripture is not read, but once and they move on to a various thing. But I believe that the way we strengthen our faith, I believe the way we grow in our faith is having some time in the word of God. The word produces faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. And so the Bible is crucial to your growth as a believer. There are many churches who cut Bible reading down and there are many pastors who only give summaries. But I like to walk through the scripture so you can see it for yourself, properly exegete it, amen, in proper context so that we know what the word of God is saying to us as believers today. That may be a little bit old fashioned, but you know what? I'm going to stay with the word. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, stay with the word. Watch the text. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the Bible says this. That God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee. The text says to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Verse number 28. Let's read. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is is with you. Next verse says, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel couldn't mean. Sometimes, I said, told you this one last week, sometimes when God's messenger brings a word, sometimes that word is not readily received or maybe not readily understood at the time that it comes forth. Here God sends an angelic messenger, but God has messengers in human form also. Are y'all with me today? God says, I'll give you pastors according to my heart who will feed you with wisdom and knowledge from on high. God will use a prophetic voice to speak a word into your life so that, that word, amen, can produce the faith is, that's needed in order for you to walk in line with God's purpose and destiny for your life. Are y'all listening to me today? So confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Let's keep reading. It says what? Don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, for you have found what? Favor with God. Let's keep reading. It says what? to a son and you will name him Jesus, right? That's cool. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. Let's go. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. 34, Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. Let's read. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the baby to, to be born will be holy and he will be called the son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in a six month. For the word of God will. 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 I got to come this out. The word of God will. Do you actually believe that? See, people say that you read that passage, but do you believe the word of God will never fail? Look at verse number 38. Can we read it from the KJV? I love the way the KJV rereads this verse number 38. I know I'm switching on you, Jay, but I got a switching spirit on me today. I mean, switching like KJV to NLT. Can I clarify that? 
And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. All right. So talking about stepping out in faith. Be it unto me. Everybody say, be it unto me. Glory to God. Now, again, if you look back at your outline that I gave you, I want to kind of hit on these things just a little bit just for, for clarification purposes because it's going to be crucially important for you and I as born again children of God to learn how to receive God's word in totality and total confidence. To learn how to receive God's word, process it, and begin to act on it because God's word has transformative power. Everybody say transformative power. The word of God is, is, is given to us to help transform us into the image of God's dear son. The Bible even says this, as newborn babies desire the sin-sick milk of the word so that you can grow thereby. When you are growing, that means you are changing. Am I right about it? How many of y'all are here wear the same size clothes you did when you were 12 years of age? Let me, let me see your hands in the house. Well, let me, let me take a little bit further. How many of y'all, uh, you know, you were good and grown and you were 30, but now you're 50 and you don't wear the same size you did when you were 30? I need some hands raised. This is the, you have grown. Now, that's in a physical sense, but, you know, in a spiritual sense, if we're going to grow, growth always involves change. It, it involves a transformation process. And so it's the word of God, as, 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 as noted, I think it's First Peter 2 and 2 says, as newborn babies desire the sense of the word, so that you may grow the Bible. Every person who accepts Christ as Lord and Savior comes into this spiritual journey as an infant, spiritually speaking. You may be 40 years of age when you get born again, but you are a spiritual infant. And what I've discovered in my 34 years of pastoring is that the vast majority of people stay infants in their spiritual walk. Or they get older age-wise, but spiritually speaking, they remain babies. That was the problem that Paul had with the church at Corinth. The church at Corinth was a very gifted church. They had prophecy, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, all kind of emphasis in tongues, interpretation of tongues, all that, those gifts flowing in the body. But the church was very dysfunctional because even though they had spiritual gifts, many of them were still spiritual babies. And what a, what a dangerous church to have when you got people who are gifted, but they're immature spiritually. So, so we got to grow. Everybody say grow. grow. All right. So, 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 so as we look at this text here, learning how to receive, I said that throughout the Bible, people responded differently to God's message. Look at your outline. First of all, let's, let's take a look, a quick peek, a quick peek, okay? Uh, back at Genesis chapter number 18, starting at verse number 9. Genesis 18, and let's go to verse number 9. We're going to walk through the scripture, okay? Because... Here's what I need you to understand. This incident with Mary over in Luke 1 was not the first time an angelic messenger had came and spoke to a human being about a, a, a child being born in a supernatural way. As a matter of fact, 
you're going to see that when the angel talks to Mary, she, the angel gives Mary a, 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 a real life, tangible, close to you, close to her version of, of a miraculous birth with a cousin Elizabeth. Why was the angel doing that? Because we know that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word can be established. And so this was not the first time that an angelic messenger had came and gave a declaration about a miraculous birth. Y'all know this story. Where is Sarah, your wife? I tell you what, I, I, I want us to get it in context. So we see Abraham and Sarah, y'all know that. And, and we know that, that Abraham is going to be called to be the father of many nations. As a matter of fact, Abraham was the one that God picked out to leave his kinfolk, to go to a place he didn't know where he was going, and he was going to use Abraham to birth the Savior, Abraham's lineage to birth the Savior into the earth realm. Y'all got that, right? All you Bible readers. All right, so, so, so we, we see an incident here where, where these three men approach Abram's tent. And as we look at it, can we back up just, just for a little bit? Um, chapter 18, uh, look at verse 1. Come on, let's go. Verse 1. Ready? Let's read. The Lord appeared again to Abraham near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. One day, Abraham was sitting at the entrance to his tent during the hottest part of the day. He looked up and noticed three men what? Three men what? When he saw them, he ran to meet them and welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. All right? My Lord, he said, if it pleases you, Stop here for a while in the shade while water is brought to wash your feet. And since you've honored your servant with this visit, let me prepare some food to refresh you before you continue on your journey. Now, stop right there. One thing that was very pertinent and was proper protocol in the time that Abraham lived was the ministry of hospitality. Everybody say hospitality. The ministry of hospitality involves being welcoming to people. And that was very commonplace at that time. But, but I think we, what we see here, and, and most theologians will tell you that as you look at these three men coming, that one of them was the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. Okay, don't have time to go there today, but just know and understand that Abraham knew and understood that he was talking to somebody that was of, of, of great importance from a spiritual standpoint. Y'all got me there. All right, so watch this. He says, uh, so hospitality is very important. We told you before that the ministry of hospitality is very important for us to engage in because the Bible says, be careful to entertain strangers for thereby some have entertained angels without being aware of it. Y'all with me? So first of all, angels are ministering spirits sent by God. Angels are still real. It did not go away. God still utilizes angelic messengers to bring messages and to intercede and protect his people. Are y'all still with me today? So as they go through here, watch this, talking about response to the messenger of God. The text says, uh, in, skip down with me, let's go um, to verse number six. Skip down to verse number six. It says, uh, so Abraham ran back to the tent and said to Sarah, hurry, get three large measures of your best flour, knead it into the dough and break some bread. Then Abraham ran out to the herd and chose a tender calf and gave it to his servant who quickly prepared it. When the food was ready... Abraham took some yogurt and milk and the roasted meat, and he served it to the men. As they ate, Abraham waited on them in the shade of the trees. Where is Sarah, your wife? The visitors asked. 
She's inside the tent. Now watch this. Talking about how we receive the messenger, the message from God. She's inside the tent, Abraham replied. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year and your wife Sarah will have a son. Now I remind you, let's remind ourselves of their age. They were old. All right. We already know that, right? The text says this. Sarah was listening to the conversation from the tent. Everybody say Sarah was nosy. Now watch this. How many of you know that wives can be nosy? Wives can be over there dusting, doing this, but the whole time they listen to your conversation, saint. Any nosy wives in the house? I know y'all don't want to admit it. Come on, I know, I know y'all listening, but you don't want us to think you're listening, but you are listening. And then you'll, we, the reason why we know you're listening, as soon as the other person hangs up or goes away, then you start giving your advice. <laughs> On the conversation that you were not supposed to be even a part of. So here's Sarah. But watch this, guys. The text says here, verse 10, then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year and your wife Sarah will have a son. Sarah was listening to the conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself and said, now listen to what she says. How could a worn out woman like me, watch this, enjoy such pleasure? Notice what she was saying. I can imagine, if I were to use my spiritual imagination, the Bible doesn't say this, but what it, it does say is, she said to herself, how can a worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure? Now, the birth of the child was not pleasure, so what was she talking about? Can somebody talk to me? How many, how, how many mothers out there, raise your hand, mothers, if, 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 birth, if the pain of childbirth, you consider it to be a pleasurable experience? Any, any hands go up? How many of y'all got more than w- one child? You got two? You got three? Okay. So, so when, when you're in that, in that, in that, in that room, saying they, they said, push! Was it painful? Was it pleasurable? Absolutely not. So what's she talking about here? Sarah's mind went back. And Sarah said, how could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure? Especially when my master, my husband, is also so old. So biologically speaking, she was, what the messenger said, she laughed at it. And she's going to lie about laughing. <laughs> See, sometimes God knows you're laughing at what his word says, and then you'll lie about laughing at his word because you, you'll say you believe, but you really don't believe it. Hello? Watch the text. Can we keep going? So she laughed silent to herself and said, how could a worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this same time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she denied it, saying what? I ain't laughing. Oh, the Lord said, yeah, you did. <laughs> see, 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 God knows our hearts. And we can pretend, you can pretend to me, you can pretend to all the other people, but God knows if we're actually receiving his word. 
Now think about the countless numbers of sermons, if you've been a member of this church for 20, 25 years, that you've heard me preach. And think about all of the things that we've talked about and the things that maybe you've ignored when you heard them coming straight from the Bible. Properly, contextually, uh, uh, pull from the text. I didn't make it up. I didn't put it out of context. But we gave you the context so you can have the understanding. But how many of you sat there and laughed that God said that ain't impossible? That, that's not possible to me. It doesn't happen to me. That's not possible with this church. That's got to be a big church that does that. Well, let me tell you something. God is doing some things in this church that maybe churches twice our size are not doing. It's not the size of the church. It's the faith of the believers who are in that church. Can I get a witness? And God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power. Thank you, baby. Oh, thank you so much. All right. He's able to do it. Right? God, remember we told you, he went to a virgin where? In Nazareth. I told you on last week, Nazareth was not thought very highly of amongst the Jews or amongst uh, 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 the Romans. Nazareth was the place where Nathaniel, when called to follow Jesus, said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? I want to ask you a question. How many of y'all have downplayed counted it as foolishness when God said he wanted to take you from the neighborhood you grew up in to do miraculous things in your life. How many of you are sitting there uh, uh, doubting the power of God because of the family you were raised in? Maybe how many of you are sitting there doubting the power of God because of your ethnicity? How many of you are doubting the power of God because of, uh, of the school you went to? I'm here to tell you, you better learn how to trust God. I learned a long time ago that if I trust my Savior, he will provide. It doesn't matter what people say. It don't matter who hadn't done it before. I'll be the first to do it. All right, so, 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 so some of y'all hear the word of God and you laugh. You say, oh, that pastor, he just, bless his heart. Bless his heart. He, he, he just don't know. He just he's naive. He's he's he you know, he, he he's talking about what God's going to do. And God, listen, I, listen, I'm I'm foolish enough to take God at his word. Why? Why are you foolish enough to take his word? Because I've seen him work before. I've tried the man, Deborah, and the man is all right. I've seen him work miracles in my life. I've seen him. Amen. Make a way out of no way. And so you should have caught me before I learned how to walk in faith. So now that I know how to walk in faith, doesn't matter that I'm from Benton. Hello? I said it doesn't matter that I'm from Benton. God can take a ministry in Benton and impact the, the whole world. He can take a church this size and do twice as much church three times outside. And he's doing it already. All right, so we see Sarah laughed. Manoah, Samson's father, panicked. I don't have time to go through all of it because I got a lot of ground to cover. But I want y'all to go and take a look at it and read it because the, the Samson's birth was also of a miraculous nature. I told you it wasn't the first time that it would happen with Mary in, at the angel in Bethlehem. It, it was the first time that, that there was no earthly father though. Everybody say it was a miracle. So Sam, Samson's father, Manoah, panicked because even after he got the message, he thought after seeing what he saw that God was going to kill him. 
So if God killed him, how are you going to have a son that was promised? He panicked. So sometimes we hear the word of God, we panic. We, we, we get scared. We think, well, who? That can't possibly happen in, in, in my life. But listen, I'm here to tell you God is able. Thirdly, we see Zacharias. Let's go, go to Luke chapter 1. Here's the one that's close to our text here. Luke chapter 1. And let's look at verse number 5. Luke 1 verse 5. How do you respond and how do you receive God's message? Do you laugh at it? Do you panic when God is telling you to do something that you are not accustomed to doing, when you don't think you have the skill sets to do, when you've never done it before, I'm going to tell you, sometimes it can be very scary when God moves you in a direction that you are not accustomed to. But that's what God is trying to do, trying to get you out of your comfort zone. Comfort zones can be good when you're comforting, but they're not, they're not good for growth and development. Because if you're going to move beyond where you are, you got to do something that you hadn't done before. And that can be a little scary for a lot of us. I don't want to be guilty of getting set in a certain way and saying that's the way I'm going to be the rest of my life. If you're growing, you should be changing. If you're growing, you should be thinking about what is it that God wants to do in and through me. Are y'all within Luke chapter number one? Let's go. Verse number five. Ready? Let's read. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. Abijah. And his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of what? Of Aaron. Let's keep reading. In God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. Verse number seven, let's read. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive. Looks like God got a thing <laughs> with old folks having babies. Let's just, when I, come on now. This ain't the first time, right? See, what I believe, and you got to understand something. Uh, the, when we get to this, the new covenant here, the, the, the New Testament here, uh, Zechariah and them were still operating on the old covenant, but they had scripture that they could go back and reference. And surely these things were, 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 were out there. I just thought about something. Okay. All right. All right. Y'all quit messing with me. Quit messing with me. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both very old. So, so, so they had scripture text on this matter, but still, sometimes we read the Bible, we don't think it applies to us. We think, well, I know God healed them, but he can't heal me. I know God restored that marriage when it was tore up from the floor up, but he can't restore mine. I know that he made a way for, for Rod to get that job, but, you know, I ain't never been one to, to got an opportunity that I applied for. See, sometimes it's what we say with our mouths that cancel out the faith that God is trying to implant in our hearts. Keep reading. I got to go, y'all. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were very, both very old. Keep reading. The text says what? One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple for his, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. 
But the angel said, do not be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice. What? For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic beverages, alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. That's John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ. Zechariah said to the angel, how can it be? Well, now, how can I be sure this will happen? Watch this. I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Now, watch this. He hears the message. This is God's angelic messenger coming with a word. How many of y'all know God speaks to us through angelic messages, but he also speaks to us through people? If you're a part of a church, your pastor should be speaking gospel truths to you. Your Sunday school teacher, your whoever, an evangelist or whatever, whoever is speaking the word of God, we should be ready to receive it as he speaks the word of God. The angel said, now watch the angels respond. So what Zechariah said in verse number 18, what? How can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now and my wife is also well along years. He starts to give excuses, which is what we do. We start giving excuses why we can't do what the word of God says. The word of God tells us to bring all the tithes and offerings to the storehouse. That they may meet in my house. And prove me now here with this Lord of hosts. If I will not pour you out of windows of heaven, blessing that you will have room to receive. When he says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall men give in your bosom. But with the same measure as you meet out, they'll be measured back unto you again. Now we hear that, and we see that, but we dismiss that. Because we say, that doesn't work for me. Well, listen, the word of God works when we learn how to receive it by faith. I'll show you in just a second. So watch this. Then the angel said, now there's an explanation point behind it. I'm Gabriel. All right, all you English majors or your school teachers, when there's an exclamation point instead of a period, that means that there's dramatic influence on that sentence. It's not like, I'm Gabriel. No, it's, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. Watch this. Says your pastor, I'm going to tell you something. I spend time with God. And I, 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 I ask God to give me a message that will fit your people perfectly at EBC. And when I come, I'm not coming to, 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 be, to make Doyle Adams seem impressive. I'm coming to give you what I believe God has given me. And the way I back it up is I go to the word of God. So if I can't prove it in here, you're under no obligation to follow. But if I prove it in here, if you are born again believer, you are under obligation to follow. And when you don't follow, I may get like the angel Gabriel. Watch this. I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. Look at the next verse. Let's read. Watch this. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, what? You'll be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. So he doubted. And when he came out, people, watch, watch the text. Come on, can I, can we read? Let's, let's go. It says what? 
Uh, meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to him. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. Yeah, he did. <laughs> then he says, all right, you're going to doubt me. I just, you know, you know what I wish God would do sometimes, just, just as, a, as, a, as a way of going back. I wish God would, would every time we doubted him, he'd shut our lips for about two weeks. Some of y'all wouldn't be talking all year long with you. <laughs> if he did this, every time we doubted, we... <laughs> Hi, how, how you doing, Jeff? Mm-hmm. How's Patty? Mm-hmm. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to him. Then they realized, just as in his silence, that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. Well, we, we know later on, John the Baptist was born, right? Elizabeth, miraculous birth, old age. Here we go again. So, so, uh, but, but Mary, in our text. When Mary said in the 38th verse, be it unto me according to our word. Now, Mary had questions. It is okay to ask God questions, but don't question God. There's a difference. God don't have a problem with you asking. That's what friends do. Moses was called a friend of God, and Moses had some questions from God from time to time as it relates to leading the Israelites. Because they were a stiff-necked, hard-headed, rebellious people. And sometimes as a pastor, I, you know, I, I love every last one of y'all. I, God knows I do. Oh, I love you. I love you. <laughs> but some of y'all can be stiff-necked. Some of y'all will hear the word of God and laugh at it, dismiss it, trivialize it, amen, or just downright reject it. But I'm going to still love you and I'm going to keep preaching to you. As long as you're here, I'm going to keep preaching to you. And if you leave, I'll still preach to you. I'll send the message over, over the internet to you. But we got to learn to receive. Can I teach you a little while? Now, I'm going to skip down, okay? The text said, and go to Luke 1 and 38, Jay, and pop it up in the KJV, and then we're going to move. I got to move and give you, give you a little insight there. I won't finish it today, but I got to give you this. This is really important. This is really important. Y'all hear me? The average Christian does not know how to walk by faith. They don't even understand the process of faith. And because we don't have understanding, we don't have wisdom. And we don't have wisdom as it relates to the word of God. We have, we, we, we're sitting around thinking about life strictly from a natural standpoint. And I told you we've been called to walk by faith. And, and without faith, it is impossible to please God the person who comes to God must believe that God is and that he's what? A reward of those who diligently seek him. But the average Christian is not operating by faith. Unlike any other text, the word of God has supernatural effects for those who receive it by faith. Look at what Mary said here. Mary was a virgin. And, and, and the angel tells about her cousin Elizabeth. And we'll read about that a little bit later on, too, when she goes to, to interact with, with Elizabeth. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. All God is trying to get all of us to do is to say, Be it unto me according to your word. He's trying to get you and I to believe him. And belief in him 
will be exemplified or will be manifested by obedience to his word. Nothing else. You can't feel like you're being obedient. You can't think like you're being obedient. You got to be obedient to be walking in faith. Faith without works, without corresponding action that matches what you say you believe, you don't really have faith. So, so when we receive the word by reading it, meditating on it, believing it, and applying it, the life of the word becomes lively in us. The power of God's word becomes powerful in us. Amen. The activity of the word becomes active in us and the operation of the word becomes operative in us. The effectiveness of the word becomes effective in us. In fact, go to Hebrews, the fourth chapter, we're right here. Hebrews 4, and look at verses 12 and 13. In fact, according to Hebrews 4 and 12, when we receive God's word, it invades every part of our being, even the marrow of our bones and the motives of our hearts. Hebrews chapter number four, watch this, and let's look at verse number 12 with me right quick. Hebrews chapter four. So be it unto me according to thy word. We want to get to a point in our walk with Jesus where we say, when we read something in the scripture, we say, be it unto me according to thy word. No, 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 no doing like Sarah. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. You got to be kidding me. That's, that's, that can't happen to me. It, doesn't, it, doesn't, it, it never happens to me. Maybe it doesn't happen to you because you had not learned how to walk by faith. Oh, I'm not saying you're not born again. You accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you're not really letting him be Lord. Of your, you, you accept him as your Savior, but he's not really Lord of your life. Because when he's Lord of your life, that means you, you govern your life according to his word and his will for your life. Don't tell me he's your Lord when you don't do anything he says. That's what Jesus said. Many of us are in church, but we're not really letting Jesus be Lord. As a matter of fact, some of us are in church and we're not really saved. We, don't have a con- we have a concept, we have a thought process as it relates to salvation, but have we really submitted our will to his will? Watch the text here. Are you there with me? It says what? For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any what? Piercing even to the what? The dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow and it's a what? Wait, 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 wait. The word of God is a discerner of the faults and the intents of your heart. So what does that mean, Brother Pastor? That means that when I see what God's word says, but I refuse to act on it or I refuse to embrace it, it now shows me where my faults and my intents are. Because it's easy for us to come here and, and look spiritual, look like we really love Jesus, look like we really want to do what right by God. But when you examine our lives and we see our life not lining up with the word says we should do, then now that word is actually, it's telling us where our thoughts lie and tell us where the intents of our hearts lie. Because when, when it doesn't line up with God's word, then that means that I'm in opposition to God. I don't care what I say. I don't care. People will come here and sing, oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus because, because he first loved me. Do y'all not know that song? Come on, you got to do better than that. Oh, how I love Jesus. 
Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I, I got a little sway to me. Because he first loved me. Now we'll sing that, but do we really love him? See, love is an action word. Love, amen, will be personified. It will be manifested in our actions. There are many people who will come to church, sing that song, but never do anything that Jesus says do. Never witnessed to one person, never went out of their way to help anybody, but they were only concerned about themselves. And what I'm telling you, when you see that, then now the word tells you that what you're singing is not truth. As far as you are concerned, because if I love God, then I will obey God. That doesn't mean that we don't mess up. That don't mean that we don't go astray sometimes. But if we have a lifestyle of never really following God, never even talking about God, never even uh, 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 asking God what he wants us to do in our individual lives, then we're actually fooling ourselves. I mean, and you fool some people because people say, well, they in church every Sunday. That don't mean nothing. The devil likes to come to church too. And some of us bring him with us. Watch this. Okay, all right. So, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The the word of God is sharp. It it, it divides, it it says, piercing even to the dividing son of soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of what? Of the heart, of the heart. Now, uh, look at verse number 13 with it. Let's read. It says what? Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Read that, Jay, from the NLT right quick. Let's pop it up in the NLT. I want to, I want to read that, that last verse in the NLT. Okay? And I got to move. Okay? Because I, I need us to understand something. God is waiting on us as believers to operate the way he created us to operate. And that was by faith, to be creatures of faith. When the average Christian is not, you cannot operate by faith if you have no Bible time. Okay, let, let, come on, let's get real. Barna Group and other uh, Christian surveyors tell us that 80 to 85% of Christians have no, no word time. So if I stood 10 of y'all up here, 80 of y'all would, would bring your Bible to church maybe and read it then, but most of the time it, it lays on the desk. Or if it's on your phone, you, you, know, you pretend like you're reading the Bible, but you're actually surf, surfing Facebook and Instagram. So how are we going to walk in faith? And faith comes by hearing here by the word of God, but we have no time in the word. Oh, but you're different though. God deals with you differently, right? No, no, he, he will not. He says faith comes by hearing him by the word of God. But if I have no word time, if I don't study, if I don't put myself in a position to learn how to study, then how can I walk by faith? You don't. You walk by what you feel. You walk by what you think. You walk, you walk by what somebody else told you. And God says, I need you to walk by faith because that's, that's the way I created you to operate. The text says nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes and he is the one to whom we are accountable. Now listen, you can fool some folks a lot of the time. If they, if they kind of slow, you can fool them a lot of the time. 
But people who got a spirit of discernment will figure you out sooner or later. If they're around you long enough, they go see where you're coming from. The average person is not very transparent when it comes to being relational. And I'm going to preach a sermon series about relationships in the new year. Because we got to learn how to be more relational. I didn't say be church members. I say be relational. Because the way you're going to influence people properly is to have proper relationships. There's a whole lot of one another's in the Bible that God tells us how to relate to one another. They're not, ambig- they're not ambiguous. They are actually things he tells us to do. Now, if, we, if we're going to be with Jesus, we've got to do what Jesus said to do. He's not, that, he's not the type of savior that you, say, you just hang out with me and you just do what you want to do. And if you want to do what I say to do, that's cool. No, no, that's not, that's not a savior. That's not who we serve, okay? Watch this. Nothing all creation hid from God. Everything is naked and spoke for his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are what? Accountable. Now, the word and strongholds is something that we got to grasp and we have to understand. Go back with me. I shared this with you uh, before. Go to 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. 2 Corinthians, number 10. And we're going to look at verses 3 through 5. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. I told you we're going to walk through the word today. Because sometimes we have strongholds. And again, by, by definition, a stronghold is any way that the devil tries to presume authority in our lives. It's, it's, if we belong to Christ, Satan has no right to exercise authority over us. But he hopes we're too ignorant and unlearned in the scripture to know that. Hear me careful. A stronghold it's anything that has us bound to the point to where it, it causes us or prevents us from following and being obedient to God's word. That's a stronghold. And there's a whole lot of strongholds that many of us have that we haven't really recognized. Are y'all, are y'all tracking with me today? A lot of strongholds. Watch the text here. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. Next verse, let's read. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of what? Human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. Next verse, let's read. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. The, 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 the KJV, go to the KJV on this one, Brother Jay. Thank you so much. I told you I was switching today. Okay. Go to the KJV. I love the way it reads here. Okay. In 2 Corinthians 10, Verse number five, glory to God. It says, casting down what? Imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into what? Captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. What do you mean, brother pastor? What's he talking about? What he's saying is that there are things, there are ways of thinking, there's that their thought patterns that elevate themselves to such height in our lives that they overshadow what God's word says. And we will start believing that, that, that high thing, that stronghold above the word of God. We'll start doing like uh, uh, Sarah did. We'll laugh at God's word. We'll, 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 we'll do like uh, Manoah did. We'll, we'll get uh, uh, frustrated and we'll get scared and we'll run away from God's word. We'll do a lot of things. We'll doubt God's word, but God wants us to submit ourselves to his word. Are y'all with me today? A stronghold, again, 
It's what the devil tries to, to, to keep us bound by a way of thinking. You remember Jesus in the wilderness temptation when he was in Matthew, the fourth chapter. We don't have time to go to, but write it down. Matthew, the fourth chapter, verses one through 11. Jesus set an example of responding with the word of God when we're under assault by the enemy. Remember, every time Satan came to him, what did Jesus say? What did he say? It is written, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. It is written, thou shalt work to the Lord thy God, and him only should I serve. It is written. So let me ask you a question. If Jesus had to go back to what was written, what do you think about you and I? What if you and I don't know what's written, and we are under assault by the enemy? Do you think we're going we're gonna to just be able to do it just by, ooh, come please, Jesus, please. No, it's the word of God that gives us victory. Listen, hear me carefully. We don't have to be faced with a satanic assault to need the word of God. Readily available for our use. Because even because most of us aren't even operating at a high enough level where Satan himself is going to come and attack us. He may sense his demonic spirit, but, but a satanic assault, I would, I would venture to guess that the vast majority of us have never faced a satanic assault by the devil himself. But we probably have faced, amen, things that the, his, his, his demonic spirits bring our way. But what about everyday things that we deal with? We not only need to be faced, uh, uh, you know, the word of God to face our own weaknesses, our own doubts, our own insecurities, our everyday challenges that we face from time dealing with immature people, time dealing with crazy people. How many of y'all deal with crazy people every now and then? How many of y'all act crazy every now and then? When you deal with immature, crazy people, you need word. Hello? When, you, when, you, when, you, when you're dealing with your own weaknesses, you need word. When you're dealing with your own doubts, you need word. Because the enemy will come and tell you what you can't do. Your own self will tell you what you can't do. And that's when I have to go back to the word of God. Watch this. Um, the question I always ask people, what is it that's shaping your way of thinking? What is it that shapes your actions or your reactions? What is it that governs your response to people and to certain situations or to coworkers or to fellow church members, etc.? What is it that shapes your thinking? Is it your family upbringing? Is it your friends? Is it your experiences? Is it your past hurts and your past pains? Is it the 24-hour news cycle, cable news cycle that shapes your thinking? Is it, is it your political affiliation that shapes your thinking? I would hope that you would say it's the word of God that shapes my thinking. But here's the reality. I talk to enough of y'all to know when I, your words will give you away. Just like when they came and said, yeah, you've been with Jesus. No, I ain't been with him. Oh, yeah, you have. No, I told you I ain't been with him now. See, the way you talk, when you've been with Jesus, people are going to know. Because you're going to be speaking word. And see, when I listen to some of y'all talk, and when I listen to some of y'all talk about issues and situations, it becomes clear to me that you have not spent enough time in God's word. What's shaping your response to people? What's shaping your theology? Is it your upbringing? Is it your hurts? Because some of y'all hadn't got past your hurts, and your hurts determine how you deal with everything. And that's why you got to let Jesus into those hurts to heal you. Because when, whenever, whenever you face an issue, here's what I want to hear. 
Well, you know, brother pastor, this thing came up and this person came to me and they did such and such. But you know what? The Bible said this in John, the fifth chapter, verse number 15. Blank, 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 blank. Whatever it says in it. I want, I want you to be able to say, listen, here's the principle that I learned in the discipleship training class. Here's what I learned in our rooted study. Oh, but you didn't sign up. Well, we're getting ready to start the Daniel study, the book of Daniel, in the middle of January. Sign up. Discipleship training is important in what shapes, how you respond to things should be shaped by your theological construct that's developed from the word of God. But if you spend no time in God's word, what are you going to do? You're going to talk from what you know. Your feelings, your cousin, your family, your past experiences. Your talk will give you away. Are y'all with me today? I got to move. Your talk will give you away. Remember what Paul said here. Go, go a minute to 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, and I got to get out of here. Two more scriptures and we out of here, okay? And on next week, we're going to look at something, and it's going to be important for all of us to learn how to actually do this. Because I can talk way up here, but Paul says something that's really pertinent for each one of us to grasp and understand. Second Corinthians, the fourth chapter, and we're going to look down at verse uh, number, let's go to uh, Second Corinthians, the fourth chapter, verse number, we'll go, skip to verse number 13. And you got to read the context before that he's quoting uh, some things from scripture there. And he says something, I, I shared this with y'all before. He says this, let's read. We having the same spirit of faith according as it is what? Written. What does it say? I believed and therefore have I what? Spoken. Paul says, as you write into the church of Corinth, we also believe and therefore we do what? All right, so what are we believing? That's the question. What am I believing? Am I believing the word of God? If I believe it, that's what I should be speaking. But the vast majority of Christians are not speaking word because they have no word time. Oh, you're officer in the church? Yeah, you're officer in the church, but where's your word time? What's coloring? What's influencing your thought process? And I'm telling you, if you talk to somebody long enough, you'll know what's influencing it. Some of y'all still talking about that first marriage you had. You still bound by that first marriage. You hadn't got free because you were wounded so bad and you didn't allow the Holy Spirit in there to, to, to heal you. And so you took it into the second marriage and the third marriage. Some of y'all didn't get healed from your last church hurt and you brought it over here. And now you're suspicious of everybody because of, you were wounded and never forgave. And you, you don't trust nobody. But what I'm here to tell you is, God says, if I'm going to use you like I want to use you, get into my word and start believing what my word says. Believe and then speak. Everybody say believe, believe. and then speak. Believe. Paul said it's written, I believe, therefore have I spoken. With the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore we speak, he says. The word spirit in verse, in verse, verse number 13 is the Greek word pneuma, and it's, the literal meaning of that word is, is breath or to breathe. Go to 2 Timothy 3 and 16 from the NLT. And, I, and this is my last one. I got to stop here. And as you're turning there, 2, 2 Timothy 3 16, I need y'all, I need every eye on me right now. Every eye on me right now. 
I told you how to turn, didn't I? That don't even make sense, do it? All right, so go on turning first. I just caught myself. Yeah, get this. It's on the screen. It's on the screen, okay? Now, I need everybody to listen. Look at me. Look at me. Are y'all, are y'all listening to me? We can read scripture till we're blue in the face. But if we don't receive it by faith, it doesn't abide in us. And it will not bring us the vitality, the, the power, and the effectiveness that it's designed to bring us. We may be encouraged, but you will not be empowered and you will not be changed. If we do receive it by faith, in other words, accepting the word of God into our belief system, not doubting it, not 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 ridiculing it, not laughing at it, but if we accept it into our belief system, then it'll begin to transform us. It, 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 we, you can kind of think of it this way. It's kind of like breathing in the breath of faith and then excelling. It's kind of like spiritual CPR. When I learned to receive the word of God in, and then I, like Paul says, I believe, therefore have I what? No, no, no. He said, I believe and therefore have I what? Spoken. In other words, Paul spoke what he believed. He believed the word of God and he spoke it. So when's the last time you spoke the word of God over your situation? The average Christian speaks what they see, what they think, what they feel. And God is saying, I need a people who will believe my word. Remember those four instances that we saw? Sarah laughed. Manoah what? Panic. Zachariah did what? Doubt it. But Mary did what? She submitted. So what does it mean to submit? Submit means that I yield my will to his word. And what I'm telling you is in today's church, too many Christians are sitting here and they're not submitting to God's word. They're submitting to their political parties. They're submitting to their family members. They're submitting to their past and allowing their past to determine their future. Now, we study history, and we ought to study it to learn from the mistakes of the past and the good things of the past. History is history. But never let your past bind you. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Yeah, you were a homemonger back then, but you're free now. Go and hold no more. (laughs) That's what Jesus told the woman who was caught in adultery. He didn't say it kind of like I said it. But what did he say? Go and sin no more. Y'all laughing, but, but it's the truth. And once that woman was delivered, and she went forth. Yes, she had a past, but her past didn't bind her. And stop letting people hold you to stuff that God has delivered you from. You've been set free. Act like it. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, neighbor, you've been set free. Act like it. I got to stop here because my time is up. Look at, look at this, this last one. Y'all there? 
I hope I didn't blow y'all away with that comment a while ago. I just want to make sure you were still awake. I preach, I preach a little bit long. But guys, this is resonating in my spirit. Many of y'all sitting there and, 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 and you don't even understand what's happening to you. Because you're not spirit conscious. You're fleshly and worldly, emotionally conscious, and you can't see things spiritually. You're blind to the things of the spirit because the word of God has not took up a preeminent place in your heart such that you will obey it over your feelings. And as your pastor, I owe it to you to encourage you to get into the book to learn how to submit your will like Mary did to the to the will of the father. I'm not going to tell you anything that's wrong. Not on purpose. And if I do come show them to the word and we'll go back and study it out. But that's why I like to give you a word so you can follow me up here, up close and personal. Now watch what the text says, because you can't depend on your feelings and your emotions to always be right. Because they can lead you in the wrong direction. If loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. If being right means being without you, I'd rather be wrong than right. That's a little blues song for some of y'all that, 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 that from the 70s. And there are people who are like that. If loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. I feel It feels so good. I, I, I know it's wrong. I know it's fornication. I know it's adultery. I know it's homosexuality. I know it's lesbianism. But I, I don't really want to be right. Guys, we're living in the last days, I believe. Because men have not endured sound doctrine. They've fallen away from the truth. We let everything govern our actions except the word of God. But listen to this as I close. Can we read together? Let's read. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful. Teach us what is true and to do what? Stop. It's what? It is true and it's, it does. It's useful to teach us what is true and to do what? We have to be made to realize. Yes. Because we have ways of thinking that we think is right, but it's wrong. You have to be made to realize what is wrong in our lives. What else does it do? It corrects us when we are wrong. Be it unto me. According to your word. And when you learn how to submit to the word of God. Beyond what you feel. Beyond what your friends are telling you. When the word of God has such a preeminent place in your heart. That you say for God I live. For God I die. I may not understand it totally and completely. But I know what it says. I know what I've been taught. I'll, I'll be obedient and I'll let my feelings catch up with my obedience. Until you get to that point in your life. To where, where you're willing to say God. Even when I don't understand you, I'll still trust you. If you don't, if you're not in that place, the devil can have a field day with you. Be it unto me, according to that word. I'll finish this up next week, I promise you. But we got to get there, guys. Something has happened, I feel, to the church. And we've, we, we've, we've, 
the, the, church is, the church has to be active and engaged and involved. Serving, building relationship, connecting with our community. We got to get active. Time out for coming just to sit. It's time to get moving. And we're giving you opportunities to move, to serve, to engage with our community so that we can present this gospel to a world that's dying and needs Jesus. Let them see the Jesus in you. Every head bowed, every eye closed.